Thank you guys for sharing that song. Uh, this Sunday is our third Sunday in our Advent celebration, and we're kind of doing a team preaching. Uh, the different pastors are preaching. Tommy preached the first week uh, talking about uh, hope, and then last week uh, Van preached on faith, and today I am speaking on peace. That's the third week, uh, and we're looking at peace today. So how did Jesus come into earth bring peace? It's going to be the question that we're going to ask. Uh, the passage that we're going to look at today uh, is one of the most beloved passages in all the Bible. It's a passage I would say along with like Psalm 23 or John 3.16 or, or there's some other real familiar passages. But this is a passage that, that people love. It doesn't matter what denomination you go to. It doesn't matter if you're at a conservative church or a liberal church. Christians love this passage, especially during this time of year at Christmas. Uh, it is a passage that we've heard many, many times. And I thought about the great philosophers of our day, and one of them was a guy by the name of Charlie Brown. All right? You remember old Charlie Brown? Charlie was confused about Christmas because all of his friends were saying that Christmas was about something different, whether it was about gifts and materialistic stuff or whether it's about getting the right tree, which Charlie definitely didn't pick out the right tree, or whether it was the lights like Snoopy had on his house. Charlie was really confused about what Christmas was all about. But fortunately for him, his best friend was Linus, a great theologian. And Linus understood exactly what Christmas was about. And the passage that we're going to look at today is the passage that Linus quotes from that stage at his school. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to that, Luke 2. Also, inside your bulletin, there'll be an insert. And that insert, uh, I have an insert about the sermon that has the verses on top. And then I have a few points. If you want to follow along and take some notes, you can do that too. But it's Luke, 8, Luke 2, 8 through 14 is the passage. Let me read it. Starting off, it says, the scripture says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were fear, filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. God, today as we look at your word, Lord, it's an awesome word. It's an awesome word of celebration that you love us so much that you sent your son to bring peace. And today, Lord, if, as we study your word, I pray that your spirit would help us to understand what your word says, and we'll celebrate that great gift of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The very last verse again, verse 14, says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So Linus was right when he read this. This is the true meaning of Christmas. But what is this peace that the angels declared to the shepherds? What is this peace about? Some would argue that it means different things. 
What is this true Christmas peace? Well, this morning we're going to try to answer that question. We're going to try to answer what was it exactly that the angels were declaring to the shepherds by saying peace to men. Uh, Before I answer that question, I want us to look a little bit at this passage. I think there's some things in this passage that are just incredible that we need to to catch when we read this passage. Look again what it says in verse 8. In the same reason there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. The Bible tells us there's angels out. Uh, there's a, I'm sorry, there's shepherds out in the field keeping watch over sheep at night. Um, and more than likely, what would probably happen is shepherds would probably work together. You'd have a group of shepherds that would kind of team up, and it talks about keeping watch over the night. So what they would do is some of the shepherds would say, okay, you guys sleep, and we'll watch your sheep, and then at a certain time we'll flip-flop maybe. So some of the guys would be awake watching all the sheep. Other shepherds would be able to take a nap, maybe, because it's a long night and be out there in the dark. All right, and it also tells us they're out in the country, so it's real dark. And if you've been out in the country when it's dark, I mean, it's super dark in the country, right? There's no lights coming in outside of the moon, maybe, or the stars, or maybe they had a little fire built. I mean, this was a dark, dark place, okay? And the Bible says this in verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. All right, so get this picture. They're out there in the dark, okay? They got their sheep. The shepherds that are awake are making sure no wild animals come around, because that is when they would attack at night. They're protecting the sheep. These other shepherds are more than likely around the fire, probably sleeping. And then, boom, <laughs> an angel of the Lord appears, all right? And knowing as the angel appeared, it says, the, the glory of the Lord shone around. So we're, we're, this is like incredibly bright lights, okay? So you're in the dark. Next thing you know, boom, this incredible bright light is shining. And it's the angel of the Lord. And it says that they were scared to death. Okay, yeah, I guess so. I'm sure they were. I mean, I was thinking about the fact that on weekends, a lot of times, uh, I'm the first to bed at my house. Okay? And I can't tell you how many times I get good and asleep, all right? And the next thing, boom, here comes somebody in my bedroom, or I hear some loud noise. It's normally one of my kids. It could be we have a dog, too. It could be the dog. But something wakes me up. And when, I, when I'm asleep and I get woke up, it's like at first you're having to kind of, you know, figure out exactly where you're at and everything and, and kind of figure out what's going on. I mean, could you imagine these shepherds, though? Some of them are asleep. Next thing, boom, here's an angel of the Lord. And the Bible says the glory of God shone around. I mean, brightness. Of course they were. They were probably scared to death. They did not know what was going on. But look what the angel said to them first thing. Look what he said. Fear not. Fear not. For I behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Don't fear. I have some incredible news to bring you. It's what the angel says. And it's for all people. You know what? Up until this point, most of the time, when a messenger came from heaven, the message was to the Jewish people, God's people in the Old Testament. But this was a message to everybody, to all people. I have good news of great joy is what the angel said. You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus' birth is pronounced by angels to shepherds? 
to shepherds. Not, not to, the angel didn't go to the palace to talk to the king. The angel didn't even go to the temple to talk to the religious leaders. The angel goes to the shepherds. You know what we call the shepherds? A lot of times we refer to shepherds, we refer to them as lowly shepherds. These were a bunch of guys that were not educated. They definitely wasn't wealthy. They wasn't people that had a lot of respect around town. Being a shepherd was not a job that every kid said, man, one day I want to be a shepherd. You know, that's, that's what I want to do with my life. It just that wasn't reality. Why did the angels go to shepherds? Now, we don't know exactly for sure. But one thing we do know is God has a way of using the lowly, the meek, the ones that the people in the world would not use. Uh, what shepherds, let me tell you what their lives were like. Shepherds were men of sacrifice. Because what would happen if a wild animal came and started attacking their sheep, what would they do? They would defend it with their life. That's what shepherds did. Shepherds lived a life of sacrificing for others. I'm going to tell you what, God uses people like that. He used them then, guess what? He still uses those kind of people today. People that are, care about other people, that will serve other people. So God came to shepherds first. I think it's important that we catch that. Now, let's go back to our original question, and we're going to try to answer that. What, was this, what is this Christmas peace that the angels were talking about, that they declared to the shepherd? What, what does that mean? Well, Jason and Olivia sang a song just a second ago. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Now, I, I mistakenly thought that was a pretty familiar song until I mentioned it to, to Olivia. She said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, here, I'll play it for you. She said, Dad, you want me to sing that old song? That's what she said. I'm like, okay, I can tell you like it as much as I do. Uh, but anyway, I think over time as she sang it more and got that more familiar with it, she did like it. But the lyrics were written by American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He wrote this song on Christmas Day in 1863. Now, if you know much about American history, you'll know 1863 was one of the darkest times in our nation's history. It was right in the middle of the Civil War, the war between the North and the South. And Longfellow had had some really difficult times leading up to writing this song. One of the things that happened is his wife, sadly, caught herself on fire trying to light some candles. And it caught her dress on fire, and it spread. He tried to save her, but the burns were so bad she lost her life. That had happened like a year before that he wrote this song. Then his son goes off the war fighting for the Union. He comes back. He's severely wounded. He basically spends most of his time taking care of his son. Not only that, a bunch of his son's friends do not come back. They're killed at war during the Civil War. So all that together is going in to him sitting down and writing this song that is now, at least I thought, a familiar popular song. Uh, but listen to what he wrote. I think Olivia read, uh, sang this part. It said, In despair... I bow my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks a song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I mean, he looked at life, he was like, there's no peace. None at all. 
if you have your uh, bulletin, if you have your notes, this will be the first note that you can write down. Were the angels speaking of world peace? Is that what they were proclaiming, world peace? Because that's what Longfellow was looking for when he wrote this song. He was looking for world peace. He was tired of seeing all the fighting, tired of seeing people die. He wanted to see world peace. The absence of war is what he wanted to see. You know, many in Israel, when Jesus was born, that's what they were looking for too. They were looking for a Messiah that would come, deliver Israel from the Roman occupation so that they could be free and independent and they would have peace. That's what they wanted. The problem was, that was not the kind of peace Jesus was bringing at this time. Not at all. Matter of fact, Israel, even till today, still does not have peace. Their enemies still hate them. And they're still always fighting. You know, I was thinking about the last century, not just in Israel, but the whole world. In the last century, look at the 20th century. Look at the lack of peace we've had. Even with all the advances in medicine, technology, all these incredible advances our culture has seen, think of all the bitter wars and fighting that's going on. Think, just think about what Hitler and the Germans did to the Jewish people. I mean, that was last century. Killing six million Jews. No peace. No peace. And I could use all kinds of other examples. I could talk about the fact that there's 40 to 50 million babies aborted every year, killed. There's no peace in our world. But that was not the message that Jesus was bringing. He was not coming, the angels were not declaring, hey, Jesus is coming to bring world peace. There won't be any more fighting. That's not the kind of peace that he brought. Then what was it? Was it number two? Were the angels speaking of an inner peace? Was that what they were proclaiming? An inner peace. You know what inner peace is, right? It's when you can sleep at night. You're just calm inside. It's something that, you know, inner peace would be the ultimate goal of life, according to our new age gurus. They would say that's the, that's the goal of life, is to have inner peace within you. See, if this is the message that the angels declared, then something went wrong with Jesus. Because Jesus did not have peace in his life at all. Matter of fact, if you'll see, he had conflict constantly with who? The religious guys. They were always into it with Jesus, even to the point that they end up nailing him to a cross to kill him. And not just Jesus, but what about his followers that were also martyred for the faith? What about when Jesus sat down with them? Did he say, guys, here's what's going to happen in life. You just Inside yourself, just find an inner peace. And then when you do that, everything's going to be great. Is that what he said? No, he said, look, if you're going to follow me, there's going to be persecution. The world's going to hate you just like it hates me. That's what he said. Not an inner peace. But we hear much different today, don't we? Oprah Winfrey said this, the goal of life is finding your inner peace. Her statement illustrates her belief that man is basically good inside. And when we find that goodness and that inner peace inside us, everything will be fine. Well, my only issue with that is that's like the opposite of what the Bible says. Because the Bible says this in Romans 3. It says, none is righteous, no, not one. 
No one does good, not even one. That's what the Bible says about man in his natural condition. That none of us are God-pleasers. None of us. The sinful depravity of man, we see it today in our world. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, though. Doesn't Jesus bring peace to our life? Absolutely, he does. People can go through some terrible tragedies, and Jesus can bring peace during those times, no doubt. But it's not some inner peace that we find within ourselves. Not at all. So, if Jesus... If the angels were not declaring peace, meaning the absence of war, or that we could have some kind of inner peace, or that it's chestnuts roasting an open fire, I mean, what, what did the angels mean by saying this? Point number three. Christmas peace means that Jesus came to end our war with God. Our war with God. Now, what does that mean? That Jesus came to end our war with God. Charles Spurgeon, who was a great 19th century pastor, he spoke about the separation that we have with God. The separation because of sin. That we are not God's friends naturally because of sin. We're at war with God because we're sinners and God's a holy God. Listen to what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon wrote, Our sin is not black. It's blackness. It's not corrupt. It's corruption. It's not rebellious. It's rebellion itself. It's not wicked. It's wickedness itself. We are born enemies of God. And God sent his son to bring peace. Do you get it? That's what they're declaring. God sent his son to bring peace. Because you and I are at war with God. When we're born, we're sinners. Now think about your sinfulness for just a second. Have you ever wondered why sinning's so easy? Have you ever wondered why it just seems like so much fun, like you enjoy it so much, like your parents tell you to do something, it's so, so much fun to disobey and to do something else, to break the law maybe, you know, to do whatever. It just seems enjoyable. Why is that? Why is that? I'm going to tell you why. Because we have a sinful nature. A sinful nature that loves sin and doesn't love God. It doesn't. And unless God does a work that only he can do, we'll always be like that. Always. We're that way naturally because we have that sinful nature. We're born, listen to me, at war with God. We are. The most basic need we have in life is to have peace with God. That's the most, most basic need we have because sin has destroyed our relationship with God. So you know what we need? We need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need somebody that comes and rescues us from our sinful condition, a Savior. You know, the, a synonym for Savior could be a deliverer or a rescuer. And when we use those terms, most of the time when you think of somebody that's a rescuer, that implies that somebody's in a threatening condition, right? In a, in a dangerous condition that could cost them their life, and they need somebody to rescue them, right? That's exactly what Jesus did. But how little do we want to talk today about being rescued from our sinful condition? I mean, that's not a popular subject today. 
People don't want to talk about you need to be saved from your sin. But you know what? If we went down to the beach and somebody was drowning out in the ocean and we saw it, I think we'd understand why they need a rescuer, would we? We would understand completely why somebody needs to save them. Because that's a word, it indicates some desperation. If we see somebody desperate in the ocean, we understand they need a Savior. Because danger's ahead, right? Today our culture wants to pretend like everything's okay. And everybody's okay. And we don't need a Savior. But listen, we do. Because we're in a bad position because of sin. Sin has separated us from God. And only through Jesus Christ can that relationship be brought back. Only through Jesus Christ. You and I have an issue with sin and we can't escape it. On our own, there's no way. And because of that sin, there's also consequences of sin. And we need a Savior. And that's why we read in these verses, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That was a message of peace. That was it. The truth is, we're hopeless without a Savior. We need to be rescued. And not just rescued from an unfulfilled life or maybe an addiction you might have or a bad marriage. Or Jesus, don't get, don't get me wrong, he can help you with all those, definitely. But our condition is a whole lot even worse than that. We have a sin issue, and sin has a consequence, and it's death. And unless we know the Savior, we will suffer death for eternity. Colossians 1.9, I want to end with this. Colossians 1.9 says this, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Talking about Jesus, okay? And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. That is the essence of the gospel. That God sent his son to bring peace to people that were in war with God through the blood that he shed on the cross. You know, there's two kinds of people in this room. There's those of you who know God's peace and those that don't. And if you know God's peace today, you are to thank him with all you have. Thank him for sending his son to die on the cross for you. And that he shed his blood on your behalf. That you could have peace today. But if you don't, could there ever be a better time of the year than Christmas to surrender your life to the one that came and gave his life for you? Could there ever be a better time to say, you know what? I, I want to surrender. I'm tired of being at war with God. I want to surrender the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect life and died in my place on the cross. And I would plead with you, trust Him today. Trust Him today and give your life to Him. In just a moment, I want to pray. And after I pray, we'll have a moment of invitation, and I'll be down here in front. But um, I think the worship team's going to come and sing. But if you would like to come and maybe you have a question or maybe you want to follow Jesus today, 
We would love to see people follow Jesus today. Then I'll be here in the front. We'd love to talk to you. We'll have others that would be willing to talk to you if you want to talk to somebody. But if you don't have peace in your life, I'm going to tell you what, you're not going to find it no matter how much money you make or who you're married to or whatever. You're only going to find it in Jesus. Thank you.